0: Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm.
1: You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network.
0: Welcome to One Media, One Media, where we act like a little tiger and beat someone up and then act like an idiot. That's right. Say act like an idiot and dance. (laughs) No, that too. Act like an idiot and dance. Today, we're going to talk about Toradora, and it's kind of an interesting little piece. It is under Romantic Comedy and Slice of Life, and it was written by... (laughs) I got my Google Translate all set up now. Here we go.
1: Yuko Takemiya.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yuko Tamia. It was illustrated by Yatsu. They've done quite a few light novels and video games. Nothing really, anything else I could recognize. And also the author, like she's mostly done Toradora and then she's also worked on something new called Golden Time. It was released March 10th of 2006 and went till March 10th. 2009 it's 10 novels light novels and then there was another spinoff it was called toradora spinoff which was released in may 10th of 2007 and it was three novels and it went till april 10th of 2010 so three years (laughs) the manga was released in july 7th of 2007 and it's still going on
1: Wait, the manga or the anime?
0: talking about the manga. The other stuff was just light okay. novels.
1: Wait, but the, the Toradora is still going on?
0: The manga, yeah. Wow. So what I think they're doing is since it was a light novel first, they are translated to manga. That's the only thing I could put together. <laughs> yeah. And then the anime series, which we're going to talk about, it was released in... October 2nd of 2008, and it went till March of 2009. It's 25 episodes. It is directed by, hold on here, Tatsuyuki Nagai. Tatsuyuki Nagai. Look at that. Nice. I, I think I did a good job on that one. You did. <laughs> <laughs> so it was directed by Tatsuyuki Nagai, and it was written by
1: Mari Okada.
0: Mari Okada. Okay. Fair enough. It just happened to be on Netflix, and it's also on Funimation, and there's also a video game, and it's just a visual novel. It's on the PlayStation Portable. Is released in 2009. Of April 30th. What's that
1: mean? A visual novel video game?
0: It's like kind of like an adventure game slash menu based kind of game. So let like me choose your own adventure. Kind of, yeah. And okay. I, get, I bet you it's a dating sim, if anything
1: mm-hmm
0: anyway let's just get into the plot
1: yeah what's it about <laughs>
0: <laughs> what you tell us what what's ah. it about what's it about i'm okay it's about this third year a junior in high school named ryuji and there was really nobody that would fall for him or he felt kind of empty in life because he never really knew his dad once again some anime trope and Everybody was scared of him because he has these kind of gangster eyes, I guess, and everybody thought he just looked like he was angry all the time. He has
1: a resting mean face. A
0: resting mean face. Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's a very good way of putting it. And so...
1: And he's huge. Isn't he kind of tall? Like he's kind of like intimidating height and stuff.
0: He's kind of tall, but I think it's more his eyes, though, that everybody's scared of. It's like the first day of school, and he's kind of like, hoping he'll make some new friends maybe not really and then he accidentally bumps into this girl that they call the palm Talk tiger and he didn't really even notice her because she's quite a bit shorter than he is she gets so angry that he bumped into her that she punches him and that's how they kind of meet and her name is I forget her name. Taiga? Taiga. There we go. I was just watching this, too. Isaka. Yeah, Taiga Isaka. Sorry. And so it goes through the day of school, and he decided to go back to the classroom, and all of a sudden the desks are flying everywhere, and it's Taiga. He went back to go get his bag, actually. And then she notices that that like he took his bag, and then she grabbed it, and they have a big old tug-of-war over it, and then later he goes home and he goes oh that girl is kind of crazy i don't know what it was and he notices that there's this envelope he's like oh huh i guess this is from Tyga interesting and then about a minute or two later he hears something at his porch and it's Tyga and she jumps through the little balcony and she tries to attack him with a sword, and then he had to like convince her that he didn't read the letter. there was no letter there or anything like that. And so well, he kind of knew what who was for. So she gave a love letter to someone that wasn't supposed to be Ryuji. It was supposed to go to this real popular boy named Kitamura. So to show that he was just as pathetic as her, he showed all these love letters and all these weird playlists and all this other stuff for this one girl. Minori, Kushi he's like, I'm just as pathetic as you. It's all good. We could hang out and we'll be cool. And somehow he ended up being her slave in a way. She would always call him a mutt and he would make all her meals. And she'd just be hanging out at his house all the time.
1: How did that arrangement start? Because honestly, I watched part of this and then I took a long break from it. And I didn't start over. And yet there's like this rule that came up that he was kind of like, I think it was because when she was over there, he she was hungry, so he fed her, and then it became like a thing. But why did she always refer to him as a dog, like that? You're my dog, and it was I thought it was for a certain amount of time, but no, I can't remember why she thought he was her servant.
0: Okay, how did it all begin? Was he didn't want Tyga to see his mom all drunk, so he was like, "You need to leave right now. You you don't." understand you need to leave right now she's like well why why he's like well just get out just leave and i'll do anything she's like anything he was like yes you'll be my dog or something like that and there was something along that line it was
1: some sort of thing and then just so context of who he is he's raised by a single mom who is very young and
0: kind of immature what
1: does she do she works at like a bar or something yeah
0: she works at like a hostess bar in a way
1: Yeah. So she's very like cute and she always has her boobs out kind of thing. And she's kind of ditzy. So, but he takes care of her too. Like, so he's like really like keeps house, cooks food, you know, buys all the groceries. He's very responsible in that way. And Tyga lives next door, like the building next door in like a really nice apartment his apartment's not as nice as hers she lives in like a fancy apartment building very nice but it's like right across from his that's how she was able to jump in that window and she lives on her own because her parents are kind of like out of the picture they
0: just decided to not deal with her at all and just kind of because they, they divorced and started
1: new families
0: they started new families but i just didn't want to get into it so other people could if they wanted to Uh, If they
1: want to. Well, it just gives some context to why they're around each other so much. And like, she needs someone to cook for her. Otherwise, she just lives off takeout.
0: (laughs) She'd live live off a takeout. And he's the one that ends up like really, really taking care of her. But their whole entire friendship is off of how they're going to get these other two people to fall in love with them. But it always ends up kind of failing in some way or another. (laughs) Yes. That's the good part about this series but i had to watch this twice so for me in general like i thought the first run through was pretty damn good and there was only some parts where i was a little irritated with which retrospectively not re-watching the end piece it wasn't as annoying as i thought it was it just didn't end the way i wanted it to end but what this series did is it made me really get irritated with like certain anime tropes there's always some festival at the school there's always going to be a christmas scene in an anime series oh a beach house scene yes there's always going to be a beach house scene There's always going to be this really popular girl that has some type of weird edge to her. The characters are all good. The thing I do like about it is that they all have certain flaws, but they're kind of stereotypical flaws is my biggest problem with this series. Watching it again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had that. I felt like this series felt really long. Like, I was like, yes. is this over yet? So, I feel like they dragged out some of that stuff or created a necessary drama that I'm not sure I think the characters would have gotten into. It didn't strike me as I love a lot of the characters and where it started, but then it just didn't seem like the growth or momentum or development or something was lacking. Or, I don't know.
0: It's like, when is this going to f- end?
1: Yeah, exactly. And then when it was getting kind of exciting, it...
0: When are they going to kiss and say that they love each other? Just (laughs) do it already. And that was the most annoying part. And there's this weird bird that Ryuji owns and his mom own. And what the... And we hate it. Why is it there? It's not funny.
1: It's supposed to be a comic relief, but it's not funny. It's gross. It's like the ugliest bird ever. Its tongue is always hanging out of its mouth, which I've never seen a bird have that happen. No, And it's always struggling to either breathe or talk. It just makes me very uncomfortable. Like I'm always like uncomfortable when the bird shows up. You're like, oh, I hope this scene's over soon. I also got kind of annoyed that it was always like whoever was in love with whoever never was in love with them back. It just was like a crazy...
0: Uh. Stupid constant, triangle. I don't know, it
1: just seemed kind of...
0: Like a tug and pull.
1: Well, it was kind of ridiculous at a certain point that it wasn't working out anywhere. <laughs> it's depressing.
0: You know, in reality, if that really did happen, they would get together and then that would be it. <laughs> or what? It's true.
1: But it just felt like too much at one
0: point. Oh, I love you, but now I'm gonna have to hold it back so you two could love each other. And it's just like, you know yeah.
1: what? Yeah. You. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'll tell you, I made it to episode 19, and I was like, you know what? F*** it. I'm just going to watch the last couple episodes because I can't stand this series anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it kind of was like that. Like, it was very unfulfilling by the end. Like, I like parts of it. I do like, yeah, some of it, but... Even, yeah, just all of it was just kind of weak. Like when it comes down to it, right. there's like a weakness to it. And it made me think of like some of the animes that kind of make fun of this genre, even though it's in the genre. And it made me see all of the like you said, the tropes. And so instead of making it funny, yeah, because there, there were some funny parts in this and they could have made it a little more light or a little more tongue in cheek, but they didn't. They took it too seriously and then... In, it made it kind of silly in a not good way.
0: Yeah. This is like the first time I noticed all the tropes. And I was like, F- this.
1: Yeah. I was like, oh, have I just hit like a certain threshold <laughs> with watching enough like, animes where I can clock what's going on and kind of see it from a mile away? I'm like, oh,
0: I'm glad you don't. felt this way too because that's exactly how I felt too. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, no. I was going through like denial <laughs> and, and then there was a little bit of anger because of the series. And, uh, I was
1: watching it pretty late at night. So I was like, is it just because I'm tired? And I was like, no, <laughs> it's just not that good. Like, it's not bad, but it's not amazing. So I would say an average.
0: It's kind of slightly female. above average, but pretty average at the same. C plus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With some
1: nice moments. Like, not every episode is kind of a drag. That The first chunk I think I
0: liked better. Oh, yeah. That, that part is hilarious. Getting to know the characters is fun. But it seems like, well, what are we going to do now? I don't know.
1: They should it's- just condense into 12 episodes or something.
0: <laughs> I thought maybe like 18 episodes would yeah. have been perfect.
1: 25, too many.
0: Too Way too many for this.
1: Oh, I couldn't stand that when they were like trying to decide what they're going to do with their lives. And just like, oh, I just don't know. I was like, shut up. Figure something out. Like, why is it... <laughs>
0: Right, and then the one thing that really did annoy me about the series is here, Tyga feels like she has a family, but then runs away from it for some strange reason. Yeah, what the?
1: F- also, she's such like an apathetic rich girl. At one point, she's like, "Why do I have to think about that? I'm rich." I'm like, "Shut up!"
0: <laughs> right.
1: Uh, it didn't make her likable in any
0: way. Yeah. Okay.
1: Do you have a favorite episode or moment? No,
0: not at all. But it's much like High Score Girl, which you haven't watched all the way through yet. Nope. That has more touching moments, even though the girl that what's-his-name falls in love with or whatnot doesn't talk. And the, the video games are just kind of like the background piece that keeps their friendship together, in a sense. Where this one, it does have special moments, but it's like this weird... 10 second spikes in a way. And then when they finally say, hey, we love each other. Let's run away. And it's just like, uh.
1: Then it's kind of over the top. You're like, what? Yeah. I don't know. It was too dramatic at certain points. And I never say that. I love drama. You're but right. it, it was unbelievable drama. Like, it was like, "Nah."
0: Yeah, and I—I honestly, I don't understand how I watched it all the way through and didn't notice all these weird tropes, where this time, it was just like, it was in my face. (laughs) It was right there, it was dragging the whole entire time, and it just bugged me.
1: I'm going to say you probably were multitasking the first time.
0: (laughs) I had to be. Before this podcast, I think I was more of a completionist, like I could just barrel through this and just make it through because I want to complete the series and it might be good right at the very end. Where sometimes now, it's just like, I have to watch this again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like it's like who wants to waste their time? Yeah, yeah. There's so many good things to watch.
0: There's so many good animes to watch. Yeah, exactly. I
1: put this not on the top list. If you have a bunch of animes to watch, you can put this a couple rows down.
0: Yeah, positives, like we said before, I think the characters are kind of interesting. The art design is pretty cool of the mm-hmm. characters. The music sucks. I f- hate the music. <laughs> Whenever there's like something really dramatic or they're going to tell their awesome, I love this person, blah, 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 all of a sudden you hear this stupid piano and violin thing. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun. <laughs> Can't they just play something different?
1: Maybe they didn't have a good music
0: budget. Oh, they had to have. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, it shows. Yeah, it does show.
1: <laughs> Check it out if you like. <laughs> We warned you. That's all. It's kind of average. It's okay. Have it on in the background. If you need something in the background, you don't need to seriously watch something, maybe that's...
0: Yeah, because I do like the whole entire palm-top tiger kind of thing. and
1: I like her. She's feisty.
0: She's a little firecracker. She's
1: like beating people
0: up all the time. I feel it's like she funny. needed to be in a different anime. <laughs> yeah,
1: I liked the main character, Guy, too.
0: Yeah, Ryuji. He
1: was very sweet. And he has had an interesting backstory. I, I don't like the other two that they had crushes on. Did
0: not like them. Okay. Let's get into that part, too. Oh my goodness. Did not goodness. like the crushes. Well, Cushida, I thought he was okay.
1: Yeah, until the end. Like, so then he starts getting kind of bananas. Like, he's.
0: Yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, that gets yeah. kind of weird.
1: And why wasn't he wearing a shirt at Christmas? That was weird.
0: Yeah. I don't it was know. like a
1: sexy Santa
0: Claus. Yeah, he was always naked. and... By the they, end. No, remember <laughs> the beach trip?
1: Oh, starting at the beach trip. Yeah, what was that about?
0: Yeah. And then Minori, she is weird. Just weird. straight up. I couldn't I could put a pulse on that one. Well, what was the
1: draw? Like, I didn't understand why either one of them were attracted to the other, you know, like their crushes. I didn't understand why Tiger would have liked that guy. I didn't understand why Ryuji would like Minori, really.
0: Because I think they liked their their persona versus who they really are.
1: Well, I think it would have made more interesting anime if they were kind of likable and you did kind of want them maybe to be together because then it would have created like more tension versus all it did was make you go like, you're liking the wrong person. Yeah. But which is true. Kind of like in Fruits Basket, they do such a good job of like Toru um, and then having Kyo and Prince Yuki. You like Kyo and prince yuki even though they're very different personalities you kind of go back and forth leaning on who maybe she should be in love with and then they didn't create that tension
0: you know what you're very right about that
1: (laughs) that's what happened i can compare it to fruits basket i find all its flaws
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think we watched the newest fruits basket and loved it so much the, and the characters are so well written, even like the ones we don't really like, they're still well written where this one it's kind of there in a way.
1: yeah, so I think that was like, yeah, there's like certain t- tweaks would make it really good, yes, you know, like certain things. So that's why it feels long because there's no battle. Like you're kind of like, okay, get what's gonna happen and why isn't it happening? Like why is this dragging out? Right you know, versus like making it a little more complicated. So then we're like, oh, I don't know, blah. And get more invested with maybe some of the other relationships. I kind of liked, at one point, I was rooting for the model.
0: You know, I think she was the best character.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. She has the most depth to her and she's complicated. And you don't like her because there's things about her personality that are, you know, like not great, but then you like her. She was one of the best characters on there. And I did have a little bit of that with her. of Like, oh, maybe this will take a different turn. Right. And that would have been cool. And I don't really like how her storyline ended. Or it just didn't feel completed to me.
0: Okay. The best thing about that character, she is Ami Kawashima. And the thing about her, she was a model. She was very fake. And then Kitamura always wanted her to be her true self. So she could make... Real friends. It's the whole entire thing. And watching her grow throughout the series, unlike the other characters.
1: <laughs> yeah, she is someone who grew. <laughs>
0: yeah. She changed completely. Mm-hmm. That's what's so annoying.
1: <laughs> and she knew what was going on the whole time. So I felt like, oh, someone else is seeing this. <laughs> like-
0: yeah, she was the only one that could smell the bull the whole yeah. entire time. <laughs>
1: So that's worth Uh, it for her. I like her. They should spin off on just her.
0: They should. I agree.
1: One hundred percent. That's what I want
0: to see. She has a way more interesting life. Yeah. Anyway, (sighs) check it out if you want. (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs)
1: Thanks. Storygram Network.
0: Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me, I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it.
1: Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So, it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is
0: it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Hey podcast fans, I'm Jeff Davis, Through the safety of your earbuds, Bluetooth, speaker, or car stereo, join me as I venture out on the wine road. Aiden offers up practical and helpful tips to help you live a more joyful life. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed on a whim on a lonely Wednesday. Welcome to Swirl, the wine show for people who know about wine and i know nothing about wine but i love it and i feel like wine's for everybody i also feel like wine is also intimidating storygram network that's right we are back and we are going to talk about iggy pop the idiot and it was released March 18th of 1977, it was recorded from July to August of 1976, the studios, there was quite a few, it looks like, Uh, there was some in France, I don't want to pronounce them, (laughs) in Berlin, the genre is art, rock, gothic, rock, industrial, rock, post, and punk rock, rock? Okay, (laughs) It is 38 minutes and 49 seconds. It was released, RCA. And this was the first album that David Bowie produced for Iggy Pop. We discussed maybe about a month or two ago that we wanted to listen to some of the albums that David Bowie produced that wasn't a David Bowie album. And the first one we did was Mott the Hoople, and I loved it. But that was more of a like a jam band kind of a vibe to it. But it did sound like David Bowie to me, and this one also it feels like David Bowie in a sense Definitely. with the the production. The differences between like Iggy Pop and David Bowie to me is Iggy Pop's a little bit more raw with his singing versus David Bowie, where uh, David Bowie is a little bit more passionate with his singing. So it was pretty cool that they actually did this album or they did two albums together and you could actually find this anthology or whatever you want to call it on um spotify i think it's called the david bowie years and it's like four discs so they got a bunch of b-sides so you'll be good if you want to listen to all of it
1: did they, both albums come out around the same time or oh yeah
0: yeah they so came out it's both
1: in, late 70s
0: No, yeah, they both came out in 77 okay Oh, for the recording they used the guitarist Carlos Omar, which was David Bowie's guitarist. And I think they used most of his backing band too, his bassist and his drummer. So it definitely does have that once again, that Bowie vibe. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. No, it definitely it's it's fun to listen to it because you gets get a sense of his like the sound he really likes or enjoys and his art kind of signature.
0: Definitely, and it has the original version of China Girl, which tripped me out. I guess they were just jamming it out one time, and then Iggy Pop was like, I'm going to write the lyrics to this. I did not know that he wrote the lyrics to this song. Oh,
1: and then David Bowie did it in the...
0: Yeah, which he made it super popular. Not Mm -hmm. too much later, like maybe three, four years later at the most. Okay, it seems like david bowie was just cranking out music left and right too considerably Mm -hmm. i'm really happy i got to listen to this album finally i have always heard about this album but for some reason i just never got into it i never bought it the first listen was not that good for me i didn't like it i thought it was okay but I was like, yeah, this kind of just sounds like David Bowie in a way. Who cares? Who's this Iggy Pop guy? I don't like the way he's singing these songs. da 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 da, da. And Then the more I listened to it, the second and third and playthrough, I realized that it was really, really well done. I liked their collaboration, how they did the songs together. Okay, it has the signature Sexy sax that I yes. know for a fact that David Bowie played sax for.
1: Wow. <laughs> had to yeah, I know when I heard it, it, it. I was like, be. oh my God, it's here. It's got
0: the sax. He's always got to have a song with a sax in it. Yes, late 70s. It's
1: like I like Iggy Pop. So I went in, I liked it on the first listen. I was really happy listening to it. There's just like, well, one, China Girl probably needs to be canceled because it just seems... <laughs> inappropriate at this point. Yeah, And then it's a little um, there's inappropriate. one other s- song. I have to, like, read the lyrics. <laughs> there's one song I don't like on the album, but most of it I really like. It's not that long. I really like the sound, too, so...
0: Right. It's weird, because I always think, well, is China Girl really that racist? Is it unaware, per se, of, like, well, how they're singing I mean. like, it? Like... And, well, I think... The David Bowie version actually kind of is more than the Iggy Pop version uh-huh. because of that Chinese Asian sounding guitar line in the beginning.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like kind of like it's like it being kind of exotic, like making something.
0: Yeah, where this one doesn't do it as much. So mm-hmm. I think the Iggy Pop version is a little bit more appropriate. <laughs> I, I personally, <laughs> I think like. China Girl and Kung Fu Fighting should just be erased. Right, like... (laughs) (laughs) Get rid of those two songs. I know if didn't write Kung Fu Fighting, but to me, I think that's kind of just this weird...
1: (laughs) It's just, yeah. It's just kind of like, okay. I don't know. Dated. It feels very dated. Maybe that's a good way to say it. It's dated stuff. It's not hateful. It's just dated sounding. Oh, you don't say stuff like that anymore. (laughs) Like... (laughs) But I
0: really did enjoy this album. I liked it a little bit more than I thought I was going to like it.
1: What songs do you like?
0: Oh, boy. I could just pick any song on here, and I could almost say I like it.
1: <laughs> I have one song I don't like. I don't like Tiny Girls.
0: You know, that's one song I thought was like kind of weird.
1: He sounded drunk when he was there. He was like, what are you oh, yeah, drunk like? What's drunk? going on? <laughs> <laughs> but everything. Else. I
0: think this was the very debaucherous era of David Bowie, especially this was his like Coke era, where
1: he yeah, just so I was like, ah, so messed up. So that one.
0: Nightclubbing is about nightclubbing with David yeah. Bowie. Okay, yeah, and
1: that's <laughs> such a good song.
0: Yes. Good. Which, if people don't know, nightclubbing is also the drum track is also used in Closer. Okay, that's long enough. <laughs> I
1: know. It's, the that's songs are intro. on the... There's eight songs. Are they yeah. kind of on the long side? They're a
0: little bit on the long side, but there's some short songs on there too. The funny yeah. thing about that song, I guess that was one of the first songs that they wrote together. And David Bowie and his assistant were sitting there playing on a toy piano. And I think the assistant was playing guitars or something like that. And then Iggy Pop was like, I'm going to pull out this drum machine. And David Bowie is like, I can't have a d- drum machine on my songs. he's like, Well, I can, though. <laughs> I'm Iggy Pop. So that's how that came about. And it's kind of funny because that is a kind of a cool drum line in there. Mm-hmm, definitely. It's definitely. It's very different. iconic sounding. Right? Yeah. I don't know. So it's it's really cool to have that in there Another good song well why don't we just play the different version of China Girl just so people will know
1: Yeah, compare him a little
0: Compare him a little because his vocal performance is pretty different from David Bowie's but in the beginning, it does kind of sound like David Bowie) <laughs> Okay, so the other cool thing about this song, this seems like when he's saying China Girl to me in this version, it sounds like he's just talking about a porcelain doll. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where like she could be kind of like this fragile, mm-hmm. if she falls, she breaks China Girl. Like, yeah. like a like some really nice China per se. Yes. Where In the David Bowie version, it's very much him romanticizing about some Asian Chinese girl.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: I don't know. That's what I got. No, that's
1: fair. You're right. It's definitely fair.
0: Because when he's singing, it's just to me it's different the way he's just Mm -hmm. saying it. I I don't get it. Normally I don't like that song, but this version I do like, actually.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I don't like Tiny Girls, like it's kind of like a weird, like I said, sounds drunk. China Girl, it's like it's a good song. It's just like you're like, it's the content. Yeah. Questionable. But if you say like that, like, yeah, made of glass or porcelain.
0: Yeah. And I love the toy piano. I think that was probably the toy piano that they were using in nightclubbing. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: No, it's a great sound. And
0: the other cool thing about it is it does have guitars in it, but they are tucked in the background. And one will be, like, in the left side. The other side. one will be on the right side. But they're just kind of sitting there, like, hanging out your lobes in a way. They're not Mm -hmm. really this very big focal point, like this punk rock thing. Mm -hmm. This is kind of more like the vocals and the beat. Sometimes, even though the beat of the songs, it reminds me of, like, some David Bowie drum beat with this weird (laughs) kind of slap delay on it anyway. (laughs)
1: So do you have the other version?
0: Oh, the David Bowie version. I didn't yeah. know if I should play that one, but okay. Here we go. It's already back. <laughs> different
1: it does sounds very different and you're right there's something about that kind of very stereotypical sound um, that then puts it in a weird place versus the original song right yeah <laughs> it's more just a song i never so.
0: really noticed it until i just listened to it right now during this recording mm-hmm. i was like it sounds different yeah so it's like context yeah, per- totally. It's so trippy.
1: I think I knew the David Bowie one, but I didn't know the Iggy Pop one, so I automatically kind of had like, oh, yikes, like feeling about it. Right. But now that we've compared them, I'm like, oh, maybe the context has <laughs> totally changed. Like a couple years later. Also reminds me of Susie and the Banshees when they do, um, Hong Kong Garden. Right? Is that? Oh, that's yeah. Very classic kind of
0: sound. You're right. And it's pretty interesting, the legacy of this album. I mean, it inspired a lot of different people. Of course, it inspired Susie and also the creatures. I could Depeche see that Mode, a lot
1: with this album and Susie.
0: Nine Inch Nails, Joy Division. Okay. You want to know something kind of creepy? Mm-hmm. Ian Curtis, when he committed suicide, this album was playing in the background.
1: This was his last album to listen to? Yep. It's pretty big.
0: Yeah. That's. We could choose another song. Um,
1: uh, Sister Midnight or I like I like that one. Dumb Dumb Boys I like, but it's like a really long intro, so I don't know if
0: okay. it's worth it. Let's go with Sister Midnight and that'll be it. <laughs> Calling Sister Midnight yeah that's a really good song too
1: don't you think this album has this feeling of these musicians getting together and not having any guidelines of like how music should sound or what they should be like and so it seems very creative and open because iggy pop to me is like so much more punk rock and rock and roll and This has a different feel to it, but it doesn't feel not authentic to him as an artist. It just feels like they got to play around with sound and songs and just have a good time.
0: Yeah, the way Iggy Pop explained this album and what they would do is that David Bowie would mess with something in the studio and he would just kind of leave it there and then Iggy Pop would come back a little bit later and then do some other things to it. And they just keep on going along that line. And you could kind of tell that they did stuff like that. Or they would hear you go like, what did Iggy do? I want to hear what he did.
1: (laughs) And it doesn't feel like it has that pressure of like, it needs to be a, this kind of album or that kind of album, you know, like it's just creative.
0: Yeah. That's what I do like about this album too. You're very right. I really can't say anything else more good about it. I wish I would have checked it out a lot earlier. I wish I was a little bit more aware of it, but I guess that's what this podcast is for and that is what Spotify is for. <laughs>
1: exactly. So it gives us a chance to listen to these gems.
0: <laughs> this is definitely a gem. I think if I would have discovered this when I was a teenager, I think I would have appreciated Iggy Pop a lot more. Because you always just see like these documentaries or these interviews about how cool Iggy Pop is and why he's cool but you never understand why he was neat if he plays live he'll just have his shirt off and he's kind of older now so it's like Ooh, <laughs> maybe you need to wear a donald duck shirt now he does don't get me wrong
1: High-crack
0: attitude it's so
1: good yeah, well,
0: he does don't get me wrong but, but- i
1: get it so maybe he could be a little bit um, put on a pedestal. So it's like, what's going on here?
0: Yeah, I, I just didn't really get it because when I heard it, it's just like, okay, the Stooges got back together, but it's not the real Stooges. He's just calling it Iggy Pop and the Stooges because there's maybe like a guitarist that's still alive. And so it's kind of losing its point of punk rock. <laughs> because to me, a punk rock band is not really supposed to be together forever because they're supposed to have this energy, this flame that is so hot, it just burns out. That's the way I feel about punk rock anyway. <laughs> <I> <laughs> because guess. the good ones, they always have just like one or two albums, maybe three, and then they break up. Mm-hmm. And whenever they get back together or they stay together really long, everybody doesn't want to hear their new, shit. they want to hear those original two or three albums.
1: And it's hard to carry that original music because they're much older, you're a different place in your life, and a big part of punk rock is that energy that it's like very in the moment music, so
0: I get that. There's a lot of to it, and when you grow up, you lose that punk rock attitude, unfortunately. You'll always kind of have it if you're into punk rock, but come on, you can't just always be a (laughs) dick in punk
1: we can, we can try
0: <laughs> we could try but it just it doesn't ever come out really good well
1: it's also just like if you're not doing it right, it's one note of just anger and at a certain point you process things so it's a way to process maybe
0: it's- the only band I would let this be a punk rock band forever maybe the Ramones because it's just the Ramones I don't know yeah anyway. Check Check out this album
1: Yes, check it out It's on Spotify It's not long It's worth the listen I think
0: this is gonna Already go on my list (laughs) For 2021 Yeah (laughs) I wanna listen to this A lot more Actually So you can find me On all the social medias And Spotify Twitch YouTube Under Glitch Unicorn
1: What about Pinterest Pinterest
0: Pinterest, yes. (gasps)
1: Wow, you can literally find him everywhere. I'm on Instagram as Sister Santos.
0: Alright, see you
1: next week.